said, I'm redeemed tonight. Praise the Lord. Well, let's look in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now we're going to begin reading in verse 6. We're going to share a message and tell thanks be to God. While you're opening your Bible up there, I'll just uh, give you a couple of reminders. Remember, our midweek service this week is on Tuesday night, not Wednesday night. So Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, we'll be having our, our Thanksgiving uh, service. We're going to be singing some different uh, favorite songs that you would like to sing, t- uh, taking testimonies, and uh, we just want to have it as a night of where we're acknowledging the many blessings of God and expressing our gratitude towards Him for what He has done in our life. So we want you to be a part of that. And remember on Sundays, now our schedules has, have changed. It's 9 a.m. worship with nine, in the 9 o'clock service, live streaming, in person, and also children's church. And then 10.30 is morning worship, 5.30 is our discussion panel, and 6 o'clock is for the... Well, why, yeah, don't turn me off. There you go. Amen. And uh, so let's make turn this one off while I'm on this one. Turn the pulpit off. Is this on? Testing. One, two. We're trying to figure out what's going on here. We're all right? Okay. All right. Uh, so we're going to look at thanks be to God in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. It says, With this I say... Uh, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath uh, dispersed abroad, Uh, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Uh, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministered bread for uh, uh, your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also to many thanksgivings unto God. Whiles by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God uh, for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayers for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for allowing this passage to speak to our hearts tonight. And uh, certainly, Lord, as we're reading through it and in mentions of all the many ways that God blesses us and certainly and uh, and our proportion to our giving and our surrender to Christ and the ministration of the gospel of Christ and the prayers of the saints and all these things that go on that we can certainly agree with the Apostle Paul to say thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless us tonight. If someone is watching live stream or here in the building, Lord, that's not saved, I pray that you'd touch them Uh, Bring conviction upon them that they will receive Christ as their Savior. And then, God, for every saint of God tonight, I pray for the blessings to flow upon us. I pray for the Spirit of God to impress upon us uh, the joy of the Lord, joy unspeakable and full of glory, and that we might be able to experience a move of God in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Certainly we know this week is Thanksgiving week. There are many expressions of uh, thanksgiving and praise unto God throughout the scriptures. And our our, uh, discussion panel tonight, we went through that great Psalm 100. It's only five verses, but it is packed full of information in reference to why and how 
we should be giving thanksgiving and praise unto our God. And it's amazing how many passages in the scriptures that deal with that. Uh, Jesus was always willing to offer expressions of thanksgiving. You know, when he fed the 5,000, uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, when he fed the 4,000 in Matthew chapter 15, before he fed them, he gave thanks unto the Lord, his God in heaven. And certainly when in John chapter 6, when he feeds the 5,000, uh, he acknowledges thanksgiving before his Father in heaven. And so Jesus Christ was willing to acknowledge thanksgiving uh, before the Lord. You know, Anna, when she saw Christ, she gave thanks for Jesus' redemption that was offered to mankind. And yet even the lepers, when Jesus healed the lepers, he healed 10, but only one of them was willing to come back and acknowledge what God's miracle had worked in him. But when he came back, he was showing and expressing thanksgiving unto his God as he thanks Jesus Christ. And so when we read a passage like this, it reminds us that we should always have a spirit of thanksgiving and praise unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, it's interesting that unspeakable, that word there, literally means to be indescribable. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You think of salvation, just God delivering our soul. How do you, how do you explain that? Uh, how do you verbalize the joy, the excitement, the security, the endurance, the, exp uh, uh, the experience that you have when you get uh, saved and you know that you're going to heaven, you know all of your sins have been washed away, you've been completely delivered, you're removed from the wrath and the judgment of God. How do you verbalize that effectively? Uh, there's been many people write things, many preachers have preached on it, many eloquent people have been able to try to describe what it means to be saved, but I'm going to tell you right now, there is not enough words in human vocabulary to be able to express thanksgiving to God for his unspeakable gift that he has given to us. How do we explain the blessings of God? Our expressions of gratitude, thanks be to God. Let's look at a few passages tonight in this matter of thanks be to God. Let's, first of all, recognize, we can express that by recognizing God's promise and provision in our life. Turn over to Acts chapter 27. I'm going to make you look at some verses tonight and put them on the screen. Amen. And uh, so wet your fingers and get ready to turn the scriptures. But in Acts chapter 27 and verse 35... It says, and when we know this is when the Apostle Paul is on the ship, and it's about ready to be wrecked, and uh, they're flight, fighting basically for their lives. And uh, as they get through the storm, uh, Paul meets with them, and he tells them they need to eat something for their health's sake. And then in chapter 27, in verse 35, he says, And when he had thus spoken, he took bread, and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when they had broken it, they began to eat. And so recognizing God's promise and God's provision, they taking this time to eat this bread with uh, the Apostle Paul is a response to God's promise that was made to Paul and God's provision that took place in Paul's life. And when we talk about saying thanks be to God, it certainly is based on and, and recognizing the fact that God has made promises to us in how he will provide for us. And I just know this, that God can take care of us. I remember Dr. Malone used to say, if God has to make a turkey fly in and land on your table to feed you, he can do that. And I just know that we had a lot of turkeys around here the other day. If you need a turkey, you just sit out here on the corner. You can grab one when they go by. Amen. <laughs> but uh, God can feed us. God can take care of us. My wife and I, we didn't have any food when we were in Bible college. And, and my alarm clock had broken. And I needed an alarm clock. I got demerits for being late for class because my alarm clock broke. And I overslept. And, and uh, we were praying for food. And when I say we didn't have food in Bible college, I mean we didn't have food. I say we don't have food now, but there's food in the cupboards, in the closet or whatever, but I don't want to eat that food. And uh, there's other things I have on my mind. But I, when I say in Bible college, we had no food, I mean we had no food. 
And uh, the amazing thing is we prayed for food. We prayed for an alarm clock. We didn't have money to buy either one of them. Came home from church on a Wednesday night. Never told one person we were praying for it. Came home and sitting on our doorstep was two big bags of groceries with an alarm clock on top. And people say, God can't provide for you and God can't take care of you. And I want to testify tonight, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift that he, has, he abundantly showers gifts upon us and we can't even explain where they come from or what the experience is. So Paul calls them together. He gives thank to, thanks to God in their presence because he wants them to know that they are able to take and eat this blessed bread that was given to them because it was God who made a promise and it was God who provided in getting them through the storm. And I want you to know tonight you can be thankful unto God because he is with you in the storms of life. And so recognizing God's provision and God's promise is based on his presence. Notice in Acts chapter 27, as we back up into the story a little bit in the chapter, Acts 27, 23, he says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. And so Paul's acknowledging the fact that God was present with him. You know, in those times when you feel all alone, God is still with you. When those times when you think you have no one to talk to, uh, God is with you. I've had people over the years say, well, I'm just lonely. Well, you're never lonely without when God is with you. You might be longing, you might be craving human interaction and relationships, but be assured of this, you're never alone because Jesus said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And the promises of God are sure. The provision of God is solid. And I can continually cry out, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift because he is always with us. I'm going to tell you, my wife and I have been times in our Christian life where we felt nobody cared. We felt there was nobody with us. We felt there was no, no place to turn. But I'm going to tell you, when we got alone with God, it was assured in our hearts that God was with us. He would not abandon us. We could get up and keep going on, irregardless of what's going on. We can have a grateful, thankful heart because of the presence of God. Now, I'll tell you, everyone else may abandon you, but God will never abandon you. And so we based on the presence of God. I see that it's built upon the promise of God. In Acts chapter 27 and verse 24, Paul goes on say, saying, fear not. Well, who said that to him? The angel of God that was with him. Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. No wonder in verse 35 he calls them all together because God's provision did not just include Paul, but it included every person that was aboard that ship. And may I say this, that God's provision in your life may be the source that God is using to provide in somebody else's life. See, oftentimes we, we become hoarders as Christians. God starts blessings, and boy, as the windows of heaven open and the blessings of God come down, we start storing them up, and we start storing them up because we forget that God has provided them so that we can give them to someone else. Amen. We are literally the conduit of God's blessings, and you say, well, wait a minute, what if I run out? What if I don't have anything? Wait a minute, it's God who provides for us. He is the one who gives us what we have. And so bless God, let's be thankful that God's given this so we can give it to somebody else. I mean, I remember I was in Bible college. And uh, they took up an offering for missionaries. And I remember going in my pocket. I wanted to give an offering. I didn't have any money on me. Didn't have any money in the bank. And all I had was 25 cents in my pocket. I took that 25 cents and I put it in the offering plate for the missionary. God provided for me that week. Amen. God took care of me. I remember one of the kids on my bus route. They didn't have any food. I mean, it was so bad. And I don't want to gross you out. But it was so bad in that house. They had a dog that had puppies and the dog ate one of her puppies. Because they had no money to buy food for their dog. They had no money for the kids. I remember going by there on, on, a, on a Saturday 
And going in that home, and she's telling me that she didn't have money for to get food for her kids. I went out in my car with my buddy that we were going soul winning together, and I had $10. That $10 was to take care of my needs all week until I got paid the following week. And I needed gas to get back and forth to work and all this, that, and the other. And I told my buddy, I said, God has convicted my heart that those children need food. And I said, I'm going to take my $10 and I'm going to give it to her so that she can get food for those children. And I said, let's pray. We took that $10 and we laid it on the dash of my car. We laid it up there. I said, all right, let's lay hands on this. I'm not a charismatic, but I'm going to tell you, God moves through laying on hands. I laid, we laid, I laid my hand on this hand from the $10 bill and he laid his hand on the other. And I prayed and said, oh, God. Don't let this money be used for drugs or alcohol, but may this money be used to give some, get some food for these children. And God, you need to bless this money in a great way. And I said, God, but remember me. I'm going to need my needs met down here also. Amen. I'll tell you, I think my greatest prayer I ever pray is God remember me down here. Amen. But anyway, we laid hands on that. I took that $10 in and gave it to her. Went to church on Sunday. Nobody gave me a dime. The sad thing is, that's how we give sometimes. We're thinking, well, if I give, somebody's going to give back to me. And I just gave it over to the Lord, went to school on Monday, went to work. Gas is getting low. And I went to work, didn't get anything. On Tuesday of that week, I came home from school to get ready to go to work. We checked the mail. And a person that we had not talked to in two years sent us a check for $100. Now, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. God can take $10 and make it 100 better than I can. And we need to be thankful that God gives us the resources that we have because God's providing for us so that we can be a blessing and provision for somebody else. And so uh, recognizing the fact that God has promises he has made to us, God has provisions that he has given to us, and because of that, we want to have a spirit of gratitude to be able to say, thank you, Lord, for your unspeakable gift. So I see it's based on the presence of God. It's built on the promises of God. It's belief is exercised in the permanence of God. Notice in verse 25, he says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. The Apostle Paul is grabbing a hold of the fact that God is eternal in the heavens, and the belief, the belief is just simply this. God is a God who does not change. He is a God who does not lie. And if he has made a promise that he's going to provide for me in a certain way, then based on the eternality, the sovereignty of Almighty God, I can be rest assured that he's going to see it through for me. And so I can be thankful for what it is the Lord's allowed. You understand that while all of this is going on, they're on a ship that's sinking. They're on a ship that's falling apart. We often read verses like this and we kind of, kind of think in our minds, everything's wonderful right now. No, everything was falling apart. But Paul knew that God's presence was with him. He knew that his promises were sure. And he knew that God was a God who would not change. Numbers chapter 11 and 23 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. Is God's hand too short? You say, God can't meet my needs. Why not? He knows where you're sitting. You say, well, I went on the other side of the church. He might have forgot where I am. He knows you went to the other side of the church. Now I got a crink in my neck because I got to try to find you out there. Amen. The permanence of God. God is able to stretch out and meet every need that we have. And so we can be thankful. I, I like what, who was it? Uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon said this. I think I put this on here, didn't I? Yeah, I did. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this. You say, if I had a little bit more, I should be very satisfied. You make a mistake. If you're not content with what you have, you will not be satisfied 
if it were doubled. Rockefeller, they asked Rockefeller, how much is enough? He said, just a little bit more. And that's what we, li- we, we kind of live our life that way. Well, church would be all right if we just had a little bit more people. Uh, we could give more to the work of God if we just had a little bit more money. You know what I found? That God blesses greatly when you have nothing and you're not expecting anything and you can't get any extra. You're just satisfied with what God has given you. You're satisfied in his resources he's provided for you. And you just live your life grateful and content that God is in control of all things. And if he is, then when God impresses something on my heart, I can respond to it because I'm thankful for what I have. I'm not being covetous and wanting something else. So... Thanks be to God is experienced when we recognize God's promise and provision in our life. Uh, Number two, I see this. Look over in Romans chapter 16 and verse uh, 3 through 5. This matter of being thankful unto God is by identifying with God's faithful people. You know, Elijah had a problem. He said, I, only I, am the servant of the Lord. Uh, He had a me syndrome. And uh, he thought he was the only one standing up for God. And yet, God would have to remind him, wait a minute, I have 7,000 other saints that haven't bent their knee to Baal. In Romans chapter 16, verse 3 through 5, notice it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but I also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my beloved Ampantius, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. And so identifying with God's faithful people. Don't, don't fall into the me syndrome that causes you to develop an, uh, a heart of ingratitude. Uh, if, if you think that you're the only one serving God, uh, you'll start becoming just disquieted in your spirit and in your heart. Oftentimes churches do that. We're the only church that's preaching the gospel. Well, that's not true. There's multitudes of churches that are preaching the gospel. I'm the only one doing something in church. Let me tell you, there's people that does things around this church that you have no idea that they're doing. And, and, and I praise God for that. And we allow ourselves to forget that God has faithful servants other than us, we'll start thinking that everything rises and falls on us. And then we'll get a bad attitude and a bad spirit. Notice, first of all, identifying a faithful servant. In verse 3, it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. And uh, they were willing to serve the Lord alongside of the Apostle Paul. And so don't, don't ever get to a place where you're not thankful for what somebody is doing. You know, you know, somebody might not be able to get up here and preach, but they might be able to serve coffee. Don't say, well, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. COVID-19 shut down our coffee clutch over there. We got to get that baby opened up. Amen. <laughs> Faithful servants. You know, we just had the anniversary dinner. Do you realize how much work was involved in having the anniversary dinner? The whole anniversary thing that just went on uh, this past weekend in three days of uh, revival meetings, do you understand that's been in the planning for two years? We had to line up Dr. Shoemaker two years ago to get him to be able to be here. People setting up tables, people serving food, people cleaning up afterwards, people taking things down, people singing in the services, people greeting people, people going out, passing out flyers, inviting people. Do you understand how many people, how many faithful servants of God from the preaching down to the serving uh, had to be involved in for that event, that one event, just that one event to take place. Now we have a tendency to sit in church and gripe and complain. We have no justification for griping and complaining. 
Because we're to have a thankful spirit towards God because of the faithful servants that he raises up within the body of Christ. I see not only a faithful servant, I see a sacrificial commitment. In verse 4 it says, Who have for my life laid down their own necks unto whom now only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Thinking of the sacrifices that Priscilla and Aquila were able to do, they literally put their lives on the line. I don't know what's going to happen in America, and I don't know what's going to be the outcome of the elections and all this, that, and the other, but I'm going to tell you, it's getting more and more difficult to live our life as a Christian in America. And there are people who sacrifice time. There are people who sacrifice money. Uh, there are people that may end up having to sacrifice the safety of their own life for the Lord Jesus Christ. So what should our response be? We ought to be thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Because whatever we can do, whatever somebody does, you understand it's because of God's indescribable gift that he gives them to exercise that opportunity. So faithful servant, sacrificial commitment. And then I see in verse 5, ecclesiastical identity. Notice in verse 5, it says, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. And so ecclesiastical just means church, church identity. And their church, the church met in their house. They didn't have the privilege to be able to have a nice building like this to meet in. So the believers would gather in their house. And so he's saying we need to be thankful because of the fact they were not only a faithful servant. There was a sacrifice that they had laid their own lives on the line because of the fact they desired for the church of Jesus Christ to meet together. And so we want to be thankful unto God for God's faithful people. Oh, um, Henry Ward Beecher said this, The unthankful heart discovers no mercies, but let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as a magnet finds the iron, so it will find in every hour some heavenly blessing. I just wonder sometimes how many blessings I cut off from flowing to me because I don't have a spirit of thanksgiving or gratitude. I wonder how many, oftentimes my wife and I will joke around and man, I'll do something or we'll, whatever may be going on and I'll have a complaining comment about it. And she'll look at me and she'll say, well, you just lost that blessing. I mean, it just flew out the window. And I just wonder sometimes how many blessings do we miss out on because we're not having the spirit of thanks be to God for his un unspeakable gift. Gratitude, gratitude. Need to be thankful because of God's faithful people. I see over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in uh, verse 57. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57 I see there's, we need to be thankful, understanding God's victory over man's plight. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57 says, But thanks be to God. There's that phrase again. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, which giveth us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Understanding the victory that we have. We have victory over Satan. And uh, he does not have to defeat us. He is a defeated foe. And I think many times we act like Satan is the one who is reigning and Satan is the one who is sovereign in control. And he's not. He's under the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We do not have to be oppressed by Satan. You know, we, listen, we can command Satan in the name of Jesus Christ and plead the blood of Christ to drive him away from us. He doesn't have to defeat us. Not, we don't like to talk about the devil too much. We live in an era and time in Christianity where everything's got to be positive. 
But the reality is there is a negative in the world and that is Satan and his demons from hell that are trying to oppress the Christian and, and always possessing the unsaved and because he thinks he has power, he's fighting and doing whatever he can because he knows he's a defeated foe so he's going to take as many as he can to hell with him. But I'm telling you tonight, we have power over him through faith in Jesus Christ. I thank God that I've been set free from the bondage of Satan. I'm thankful that the God of this world no longer blinds the eyes of Mike Weigel because I trusted Christ as my Savior. And we were delivered out. Sometimes I think we give Satan more credit than his. You understand he's not omnipresent. You understand that he's not omnipotent. But we act like he's everywhere. I often think, why do we think Satan is after us? Do we think we are that important? There's a whole lot of other people that's more important than I am that he can go after. But he does send his demons. And I'm going to tell you one thing right now. We don't have to be afraid of it because of the fact Christ has given us victory over Satan. I'm thankful for that tonight. It's a spiritual battle that we are in. It's a spiritual battle. It's a battle for the souls of our children. It's a battle for the souls of mankind that are lost. It is a battle for the testimony of the Christian. It is a spiritual warfare that we are in. But wait a minute. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So we have victory over Satan. We have victory over death. Death has no hold for us. Uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. We don't need to fear death. I don't like talking about death. I don't want to experience death. I'm praying for the rapture, amen? Uh, you know, that death thing, you can deal with that if you want. I just want to get out of here. And, <laughs> and uh, I just hope, I always pray that when, if I die and I'm in the casket, I, don't, I just don't want anybody walking by and say. Doesn't he look natural? <laughs> Don't say that. I'm going to yell at you if you do. <laughs> Death has no hold. If I die, they put me in the grave. The grave can't hold me. Because when the trump of God sounds, the dead in Christ is first. Glory be to God. I can be thankful over his unspeakable gift of eternal life because death has no hold on me. We have victory over Satan, over death. We have victory over air. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we need to have the word of God in front of us, studying in it and, and, and meditating upon it because that is our source of victory over error. I was counseling someone uh, last week and they started telling me about some group that they were uh, uh, infatuated with. It caught their attention. I ain't going to say the group. Because then you'll go on the internet and try to look them up and figure out what they're doing. But I told him this. I said, first of all, number one, that's a satanic group. You say, what do you mean? They're preaching Christ. They're getting people saved. They're baptizing people. They're laying hands on people. They're healing people. No, they're from Satan. They're lying wonders in these end days to confuse people, to capture their soul. Because they don't know the truth of the word of God. And what you're communicating with me that these people are doing don't line up with the scriptures. And so there are, they are the demons of hell that's being transformed into an angel of light to cause people to be confused because they don't know the truth of the word of God. I'm going to tell my wife and I were talking about this the other day. Nobody discipled us, and I've said this over 35 years. I'm going to say it again. You say, I heard you say it before. You better hear it this time. I, my wife and I never had one living soul take time to teach us the Bible. Nobody took us under our wings to mentor us. 
Nobody took us and did discipleship with us. Nobody did all those things. You know what we did? We went to church. And we didn't have a small Bible. All we had was a big white family Bible. And I would come in the church with that big family Bible under my arm with my yellow legal pad. And we would go to church every Sunday, all every service. That's the way we would go to church. And I would sit down and I'd write down every verse the preacher said. And then we would go home and look up every verse the preacher said to see what he was saying was true or not. And I'm going to tell you something. God can protect you from error if you'll be a student of this word of God. And so I can have victory in my life. I thank God there's victory over error because he's given me his precious word. So we need to understand there's victory. Well, let's see. I think I got one point, two points left. I don't know. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We can be thankful to God because by recognizing God's promise and provision, we can be thankful to God by identifying with God's faithful people. I'll tell you, over the years I've been saved, I'm so thankful for faithful people. We can be thankful for God, understanding God's victory over man's plight. But we can also be thankful to God by walking in God's purity. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 tells us, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Here it is. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And hath given us, I'm sorry, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But fornication, all uncleanness, or covetous, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So walking in God's purity. Notice, first of all, abstaining. It just simply means this, abstain. He starts off in verse 3, fornication. So what is, what, is, what, is that, what is that dealing with? If you say, I want to be thankful, why would God tell me I need to be thankful in reference to abstaining from fornication? Because if you abstain from fornication, it'll give you thankfulness for your spouse. People say, well, you just don't know my husband. You just don't know my wife. Well, I have justification for being unfaithful because you just don't understand what my home's like. No, you need to understand that God has commanded us to walk and live our life abs abstaining from fornication. So that means I'm going to be thankful for my spouse. I'm thankful for my wife. I can tell you that. I love my wife. And uh, when I got saved and she had gotten saved and God called me to preach, the first thing I thought of is what is going to be her response. That was not the deal when we got married, that I was going into ministry. And as I was sitting there in the dining room on a Saturday morning after being gone all week driving tractor and trailer, listening to Amazing Grace, God broke my heart. And all I could see was people dying and going to hell. That's all I could see. And I started trembling. I, I literally was sitting there trembling and weeping. And my wife came over and she said, what is wrong? She never saw me cry. I'm a Marine. I'm a lean green fighting machine. Amen. My dad was authoritarian. He was the boss in charge. You boys don't cry. Tough it out. What's the matter with you? It's too heavy. Grunt harder. Pick it up. You know, that's the way I lived my life. And I'm sitting there trembling and weeping. And she said, what's the matter? I said, I don't know. I think God's calling me to preach. I said, all I can see is people dying and going to hell. And my question is, why won't anybody tell them how to be saved? And I said, if nobody will tell them how to be saved, I'll go. I'll tell them. 
And she knelt down next to me and put her arms around me. She said, wherever God wants you to go, I'll go with you. There's never been an argument, never been a debate. There's never been a dissatisfaction of life. Uh, we've surrendered our life completely to Christ, and I'm satisfied, and I'm thankful for my spouse. And I think sometimes we forget the world that we live in is always trying to get our attention to look somewhere else. Maybe look at another church. It may be look at a different entertainment. Maybe looking at a different uh, individual. But we lose our gratitude for our spouse. What will that do for us? It eliminates improper conduct. I've had people deal with this whole thing with the internet and pornography on the internet and everything else, and people say, "Well, you just don't you don't understand." The draw, no, you don't understand what you're supposed to be focused on. You do not understand what you're to be thankful for. And so it'll eliminate improper conduct. Well, he goes on and says uncleanness. Uncleanness uh, has to deal with, uh, uncleanness will help us to be thankful for my body. Thankful for my body. Uncleanness is immoral living. It's, it's, it's a, uh, any type of immoral living, cuttings, uh, anorexia, bulimia, tattooing. You can go through a gamut of things today that not just the underculture does in the church of Jesus. And it's because of the fact we have forgotten to be thankful for the body that God has given us. You say, I just don't like the way I look. I want to be taller. Well, you're not. You say, I'd like to be better looking. Time's working against you. <laughs> and we lose the spirit of gratitude because of the fact we forget that God is the one who created us in His image and He has so designed us to be able to accomplish what He desires to do in our life. And so when I'm thankful uh, for my body, then it will eliminate the abuse of my body. Then he goes on to say covetousness. Covetousness. Covetousness, to get over covetousness, is just to have thankfulness for my possessions. And, you know, we see somebody come in with a, with a new car. Right away we're jealous of that. Oh, boy, they got a new car. How come I can't have a new car? And then next thing you know, you want a new car. And then you go out and buy a car that you can't afford. <laughs> Why? Because you want to be like so-and-so who has the money to be able to have Hey, listen, my wife and I, we were in Bible college. I bought an old Dodge van for $200. And I'll tell you, that was a good-looking van until you got up close to it. And I mean, the bottom of it was all rusted out. I got sheet metal, and I pop-ribbited it to the bottom and bent another and wiped a little bit of Bondo on it. And uh, the, the, the you know, uh, stick shift would not stay in drive, I had a rope tied to the floor, and when you put it in drive, you hooked a rope on it and it held it in drive so it wouldn't jump out of gear on you. My wife was driving it down the road one night, and the muffler fell off. She had to go back and get the muffler. We opened up the back door one time because we put a bed in the back for traveling back and forth from Michigan to New Jersey so that she could go back there and lay down and sleep while I was driving. And we opened the back door up. I, you know, you look, you look at that thing and you say, why in the world would you have something like that? Let me tell you something. It was better than walking, I'll guarantee you that. And I'll tell you one thing right now. That thing took care of us through the snowstorms and everything else. We used that van to start Gospel Light Baptist Church up in Oakhurst. We used to pick people up for church. Let me tell you, they were people of faith to get in that thing and come to church. Covetous. 
We need to be thankful for the things we have. Why? Because it'll eliminate greedy desires. Be thankful for what God has given you. And then filthy, filthiness and foolish talking and jesting. That's why he talks in here. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient nor proper, but rather giving of thanks. Filthiness, foolish talking and jesting means if I'll eliminate that in my life, I'll abstain from that in my life, it'll help me to be, have thankfulness for the new life that I have in Christ. When I got saved, I had to learn a whole new vocabulary. Every other word that came out of my mouth was a curse. Everything that you communicated with, with guys when you're hanging out with them, driving truck or whatever it is in the Marine Corps was filthy communications. And let me tell you something, when God saved me, I, I, I literally could not hardly talk because I realized that every word that was coming out of my mouth was foolish jesting. It was improper communication. It was pro improper conversation. And I was like, Lord, you've got to put a watch over my mouth. And God had to create a new vocabulary in me. I wanted to be thankful for my new life. Now listen, I watch people all the time. They get saved. They say they're delivered. They have new life in Christ. But all they do is live in the old life. And I'm going to tell you, when you're always living in the old life, you'll never be thankful for the new. That's why we're supposed to put off the old man and put on the new man. We're, we're supposed to move away from what we were and move into what God wants us to be. Why is that? Because you'll never be thankful for the new life if you just continue in the old life. Thankfulness for the new life. What does that eliminate? It eliminates uh, distasteful, dirty, off-color language and jokes. Walking, how, you say, how does that all come about? Just by being thankful. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. I'm thankful that God changed my vocabulary. I'm, I'm thankful I don't have to, listen, I don't have to worry at 68 years old what's going to come out of my mouth because it hasn't come out of my mouth since I've been 27. But I'm going to tell you, when I was 27, I was constantly having to watch what I was saying. It was embarrassing to go to church and say things and respond in ways that you could just tell. People were like, oh, man, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> but I'm thankful I don't have to do, deal with that anymore. I'm thankful that God has eliminated all that stuff out of my life. So, in conclusion, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. I see, first of all, the unity of thanksgiving. The unity of thanksgiving. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. I'll put it on the screen for you. It says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is. You say, what well, is offering praise to God continually? That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. It might be nice once in a while we just said, thank you, Jesus. It might be nice once in a while when we say, thank you, Lord, that I don't have so-and-so's car payment. I'll keep this old rust bucket. Amen. Thank you, thank you Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I don't have the relationship problems that they have. I have my own, but I ain't like that. Praise God. The unity of thanksgiving is just simply we get in agreement with God. Why? Because can two walk together except they be agreed? God, every good gift that you shower from heaven is coming from you. And so I'm thankful for what you give me in my life. This trial that I'm going through right now, I don't understand it. Matter of fact, God, I don't like it. But I'm thankful for it. Why? Because through every trial, there is something God wants to reveal to you about himself. 
And if we go through our trials in life and we don't come out on the other side understanding something about God that will give us a heart of gratitude, we failed the test. Need to be united in our thanksgiving. I see the sovereignty of thanksgiving. Revelation chapter 11 verse 17 saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. We give thanks to God because he is the one that has consumed the power of heaven. And so I say thanks be to God. God, how can I have it any better? I remember reading the story Mooney, he always prayed for the fullness of the Spirit of God, and he always prayed, God, fill me with your Spirit. God, fill me with your Spirit. And he said one day he was walking down the street, and God overwhelmed him with his presence. And he said this, that he said that God's presence was so strong that I had to ask God to stay his Spirit. I remember one day when I was, one year, we were down at the prayer events, and I'm going to tell you, God just put a burden on my heart that I needed to go out and meet with him. And I left the meeting, walked all the way across the, uh, the yard out there by the meeting house and all of that. Got about three quarters away. And I mean, the presence of God just came on me. I, I, I literally, listen, I literally just laid out on the ground on my face. And I just laid there and I cried out to God. And I, I, had literally, I literally asked God, to hold off because of his presence and the move of the Spirit of God in my heart. And it gives me a spirit of thanksgiving to the Lord because of the fact of his glory that he reveals to us. And yet we gripe and we complain and we're not willing to be grateful for the things we're experiencing in life when we try to explain things away. We try to stall the supernatural move of God. Hey, let's be thankful to God for His unspeakable gift. You can't explain it. You can't manipulate it. You can't start it. And you can't stop it. But you can be grateful for it. Amen. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Happy Thanksgiving. Amen. Let's bow for prayer. My God, we come to you with a spirit of praise and thanksgiving tonight. All that you are, we cannot comprehend and understand and explain, but we enjoy you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us like the Apostle Paul in light of all the situations and struggles he had to deal with, he had a spirit that continually said, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. No matter what we're lacking tonight, no matter what we're struggling with tonight, uh, God, you have overwhelmed us with your goodness. And for that, we say thank you. And so God, continue to bless us and stir us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.